I'm just here at the church preaching your gospel again today. Thank you for good friends that I can have here in South Africa and for your love that you have towards us. Thank you that when I preach today that I can minister your gospel passionately uh, to these people and that an absolute peace and uh, joy will come to everyone's heart in the area where I'm going to minister today. Holy Spirit, thank you that you speak through me and that every person will be impacted. And even as we're going to show the the video of Zambia, that the people will be impacted by what they see there, and uh, um, that their hearts will be stirred up for what you're busy doing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Yeah, um, I greet you all in the name of Jesus. Those people that watch by the internet, I haven't put up a a video. You guys will have to go through that door over there. Oh, that's it. So... um, I haven't put up a video for about three weeks, four weeks, uh, not intentionally, but I have not been here, so uh, yeah, welcome. Um, we've been to Zambia, it was awesome, hallelujah, I want to move there. <laughs> it's really an awesome place, you know, it's, it's, um, it's in the middle of nowhere, there is nothing, uh, everything is very cheap, uh, very cheap there. Uh, people are impacted by the grace message. You know, I will not move there until my kids are out of the house. <laughs> my wife's eyes just to speak. <laughs> uh, you know, so, uh, I mean, there we will have two houses that you can make nice for us with African art and everything. <laughs> no electricity. Yeah, so who needs water and uh, a clean place anyway, you know, so, well, we had a wonderful time. The plan was to show you guys the video now, and then for me to preach, but then when we played the video, um, it, the file was too big for the laptop. You know, that's a problem with these HD things, you know, so uh, we're busy converting it now, so we will show the video afterwards. I was thinking of showing the video and not doing the worship, and, uh, because it's like 10, 15 minutes. So we'll do that afterwards. Okay, so we're going to jump right into the Word. But before, before I get into the Word, I'll just give you a little bit of a feedback. Um, it took me about five days to drive there. In three weeks, I... <laughs> so, and um, it's, it, I did sev- about 7,500 kilometers there and back. Uh, the, the church there is doing so, so well. You know, I'm so amazed to see what they've done. The money that we gave from here for the building of the church, um, I mean, they added to that money and finished that building as they promised. You know, I was so amazed to see what they've done. I'm so blessed by it. Um, The faithfulness towards the gospel of grace is what amazed me. Um, The the pastor's wife, Ruth, she's a... The pastor's got an S personality, which is very supportive and submissive and everything, and she's got a D personality which is more of a dominating and if she decides, she'll do it type of a personality. And um, they asked her to, uh, to be part of a Bible translation uh, thing they've got in a, in a city there. And uh, she went there and when she came there, they first gave some teachings and everything. And then she stood up and she says, listen, man, I just want to say I differ from what you teach. Now, these are Americans, you know, that came over to preach there. She says, I differ. Uh, with what you teach, I would like to teach you the grace message. And she, <clears throat> and she stood up and for 45 minutes preached the message of grace. You know, and, and the people were amazed. I mean, these people were amazed. They said, where do you get this stuff? This is awesome. You know, we haven't heard this gospel. 
And that's what I like about what's happening there. You know, teams of people will come there and then those people will teach the missionaries grace. It's amazing to see how this gospel works. And the vision that's in my heart to have a, a grace um, stronghold there is already happening. You know, we're definitely going to see it. You know, so, uh, so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm really blessed with, with what was happening there and uh, how the people accept the grace message. We would go into villages that's completely unreached villages where you'll find grown-ups hiding behind the trees, you know, when you come in with a vehicle. Um, and then we'll have the speakers on the roof, and that bush at night is so quiet, it's actually scary, you know. And if there's no moon, you cannot, I, I've tried, you cannot see your hand in front of your face. You stand outside, you cannot see your hand in front of your face in that bush, because of these big trees, you know, it's not like the bush field we've got, that's a small bush. It's massive trees. You can't see your hand in front of your face. And um, in that quiet, and was cold as well, if you put those speakers on, they can hear you for like three, four kilometers. You know, they can hear it. So we would just, in the day, um, you know, we, will, we did some meet, meetings at night. Um, in the beginning, we did it at night, and we saw that doesn't work because the people cannot walk at night. They cannot see. <laughs> it's too dark. <laughs> And they don't have a torch, you know, they don't have a light. So at night you're in your house. Um, when it gets dark, you sleep. When the sun comes up, you wake up. That, you know, to get people to come closer. And when they come closer, you start to preach to them. They give, it to, give to me and I preach the gospel. And what's so amazing that I saw there is that th they believe in a God called Nyambi. Okay, which is a traditional bush God. And the name of that God differs from tribe to tribe. And uh, what, what, they, what, what they believe is basically the typical Christian law system, is what they believe. They believe in this God that will be good to you if you're good to Him. If you're not good to Him, He'll, he'll cast you out or punish you, and then He will also test you to see your faithfulness to Him. I mean, that's basically exactly what, what is taught in traditional churches, you know? And what is so wonderful is the moment that they've got the concept of sin because they've got a law. And when you preach grace, <laughs> it's amazing to see how they just grab it, you know, and just come, yes, we want this, you know, immediately offer a piece of land where we can put a church and want to plant a church. And if you drive into a village, you get 50 people coming. I mean, that's, then there's 10 people that walk from another village because the village has only got 40 people. So you've got more than the amount of people living in the village coming to the meeting, and 90% plus of them receive Jesus. You know, and many of them with tears. You pray for them, they get healed, you know, and invite them to the, to the little church that we have. So on this trip we started one uh, a church in a village, and what's nice is uh, the leaders of these little churches we've got, we've got five of them, they, um, they all preach grace. And uh, if there's one that doesn't preach grace, he's not allowed to preach. And as simple as that. <laughs> they tell him you can pray for people, but you're not allowed to preach. So uh, um, the, the preachers are all grace preachers. And uh, they get sent now to the next door village. And, um, we, uh, and that's how churches get planted. So, man, it was awesome. You know, just to see. And I felt like Paul. You know, going into a place where the gospel's never been preached, 
preaching the gospel, not building on another man's foundation, not trying to correct the foundation or anything. And uh, the fruit that we see there. You know, the one lady came there, um, she had a, a toothache. Now listen, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever had toothache. That's bad, man. <laughs> so uh, she came, and I mean swollen like this, uh, uh, toothache, uh, prayed for her. Now in South Africa, if you pray for somebody with a toothache like that, he's going to go to the dentist and get help there. You know? But we pray for her there. She said, no, it's gone. And I feel healed. And so even the pastor said, well, he's going to clean the church the next morning because this lady that cleans the church on Sunday mornings, it was her turn. She's not, she's not going to be able because this tooth is just too much. I mean, she couldn't talk. Next morning, she's there. Nothing wrong. Completely healed, you know. So we saw so many of these miracles of people getting healed, testifying, and, and, and uh, it, it was just awesome. You know? So thank God um, for that. And it's almost as if... Uh, the situation there is if there's more miracles manifesting because it's something new, it's a confirmation of the word, it's a supernatural drawing the people and, uh, and, and they just accept this. Yeah. And thank you for letting me go, you know, and to preach the gospel there and share the gospel with those people. It's awesome to see what God is doing there, you know. And um, we're also in the video going to show you that, that church building and they're very thankful for the clothes, you know, so there was a nice suit. That, that came in through what you guys gave and uh, Ileana said this is going for the pastor you know so he got the suit on there and he was so happy and it was just it was just awesome you know to, to see they're very thankful you know and, and what, whatever we gave them um, was not abused it was used in a good way it's not what I'm used to traveling in Africa you know in um, 1998 uh, there was a guy um, that I worked with in Zambia, um, and just to give you an idea of how, how it, what's actually the norm, um, I went and, and I, I was in communication with him, he went with me to plant this church, where well, Helena and I and him, he, he knew this place, because I said to him, show me a place in the bush where nobody's ever preached, and he said he knows of a place, when he was a young child he was there, and he'll take me to that place and I can go and preach there, and I said this is the way I'll test is as if nobody's preached there, if I shout hallelujah, and they say, amen, I pack up my stuff. You know, because then they've heard something. How do they know to say, amen? So, um, he took me to this place, I said, hallelujah, and they just looked at me like this. You know, didn't know how to say amen. And that's exactly in the bush. You can say, hallelujah, amen, whatever. They, they don't know that. Anyway, I, I preached there, he went with, and, and then I did a couple of outreaches with him, and then what they started to do is, it, it, it was all about money. At the end of the thing, you know, it, uh, it was actually the intention from the beginning, but they were just holding out for long enough. And what's nice with this pastor, um, Masalisu, uh, Jerry, he's, I've, I've known him now for 14 years, and he's never asked me a cent. Never. Whenever I came there, he gives to me. It's just a completely different mindset, you know. And I tell you now, it's the message of grace that brought that in their hearts, for he accepted it. He was born under that, born again by that message and that fruit that's in his life. It's just awesome. Well, anyway, so this guy, he made me drive up. I said to him, can you arrange some meetings for me? He says, yes. Um, he says, but I must just bring him a, at that time in Zambia, you couldn't find coffee. He says, I must just bring him a re-coffee, you know? He says, no, it's fine. I drove up with that re-coffee 
came there. This was in, I lived, I lived in Poch at that time. So you did a 2,000 kilometer drive. You got there with a coffee, you arranged nothing. He just wants the coffee. So you drove 2,000 kilometers to give him coffee. It, it's amazing, you know. But here, it's not like that. So I am really amazed to see this, and I'm, I'm willing to in, invest in that area because it will really see, we'll see so many people grab a hold of grace and have a great stronghold in that area. Amen. So I had a wonderful time. And when I came back, we went to Palaboa. That church blessed us. They flew Elena up so she could uh, um, meet me. She got some jewelry. Now you guys could get some, <laughs> the ladies. And uh, we went through the Kruger Park. And listen, I went through the Chobe National Park when I was up in Botswana. Again. <laughs> if you ever have the opportunity to go there in winter, please do it. The animals, you've got to be on the hooter to get them out of the way that you can drive. It's not the Kruger Park. It's, it's amazing because there's no water in the, in, in the Chobe except the river. So in winter, all the animals of the whole game reserve come to the river. So you see everything within 30 minutes. You know, and a lot of them, thousands of animals. It's just amazing. It's like, I was driving, it feels like this must be the Garden of Eden kind of a thing. You know, so, right, let's get into the Word of God. Um, I want to speak a little bit on um, uh, um, innocence and finances. <clears throat> the, if we look at the news, uh, they're saying America is going into another recession, and um, things financially doesn't look good, business-wise and all of that. Now, uh, I, I just experience this fear in people's hearts when it comes to money and uh, 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 like almost a, a pressure resting on people and I would, ju- I would just like to minister on that because you're going to see on the news in the time to come a lot of you know the, the negative thing about money and the, I, I believe if, if you meditate on what I'm going to share with you and a lot of you know this already it will just bring that peace to your heart and you will not fear in that time uh, I just want to testify of grace in my life. <clears throat> you know, in this time of the recession, when I, uh, um, when, since the recession came until now, my ministry has advanced and grown more than ever. More than ever. I got more support than ever in this time. You know? And I didn't run a big campaign trying to get money. It is just the grace of God working in people's hearts. And this is what 2 Corinthians says. He says, I want to testify of the grace of God that came upon the poor churches in Macedonia. How they begged us that we can take their money to contribute to the poor churches in um, uh, 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 Jerusalem. So what, what, what grace does, it gives you a mentality, even in a time of poverty or a recession where your way of thinking changes so much that you're under so little stress financially that you're even willing to give. Now, I don't want to talk about giving. I'm just going to talk about the emotion in your heart when you're under grace. Grace brings such a peace that you don't see lack. You see abundance. You, you become abundance-orientated. You don't see what you don't have. You see what you do have. 
And I can testify of that in the, in the poor churches in Zambia. How the grace of God comes upon them. <clears throat> now, to give you an idea, uh, Pastor Jerry, he lives in a little town. And that's where we've also got our piece of land. Um, he lives in a little town. And in that town, he, from his church, I mean, there they work with money. Uh, his salary will be something like 130 rand a month. Okay? And then I want to put a mission station under Dynamic Love Ministries. Now, his church, his church is Wood of Life Church in Zambia. So they're actually another church denomination under which we, at that time we worked with, started this church. And we're starting our own thing. And he took 260 rand and gave it towards the ground that we've got there. Now, I want to tell you, that is grace. The law cannot make you do that. The law will tell you, listen, this guy must give to me. Grace gives you a completely different mindset. It gives you the mindset of, I'm defined by what God says about me. I just want to say this. In the meantime, this pastor, got, um, they told him they want to move him to a city and give him a big salary in the city with a big church. He said, no, that's not what I feel to do. Because he listened to the teaching on how to hear the voice of God. How do you hear the voice of God? God works in me to will and to do. I want to preach in the bush. <laughs> and then I'm going to do that, you know. And that's how grace empowers us and took away, even in, that, in Pastor Jerry's wife's hearts, all fear when it comes to money. And the same with us. I just think it's more intense with us because we are a money-orientated uh, society. Everything is about money. So fear can grab you so much and you can feel so disqualified by what you hear. Now, uh, let's go to um, Matthew 6. Now, this verse you know very well, but I want to just preach on it. Matthew chapter 6, and we will read from um, verse 28, 27. It says, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So the first thing that I want to shout out this scripture is, that God finds value in you, and that he will care for you. And now we've got this mindset, but, you know, the way we get money in this world is by work, you know. We work, and we've got basic principles in this world by which we will have provision. And when it comes uh, to a situation of economy and those kind of things, we live in a world that is, uh, 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 like I said, money-orientated, capitalist, cap, cap, capitalistic um, System. So we sit with that, and we're in that. Now, how are we now going to live if this thing is busy collapsing? Let's look at uh, verse 24. 
Look at what Jesus says. He says, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, let me just explain that. The, way why, the reason why God said, uh, what Jesus said here, you cannot serve God and money, is because the Jews believed that they were defined by money. Money was the God that said, you are approved of God. That was the final voice on our life. They believed, according to Deuteronomy 8, uh, 28, if you are blessed and prosperous financially, that's the stamp of God, of His approval on your life. So if you don't have money, it means you're cursed by God, making money your God. Actually, you're serving money. So I'll do everything to have money because if, if I can have money, then peace can come to my heart and to my emotions knowing I'm the blessed of God. Okay. So he says here, you cannot serve God money. So the first thing that I want to advise you on and what, what I feel in my heart is, and I want to just say it this way, when it comes to ministry, if, if the economy collapses, the natural thing that happens is this. The first thing people do is they stop to give. Okay? The second thing they do is they stop to do, go on holiday. Okay? Then they'll stop to go to the movies. And then they'll stop, and the first thing they stop is giving. Then the luxuries and then the necessities are cut down on that. So I am first in the line to lose my money. If I'm just think, if you think like a pastor, I'm the first person. I mean, if you're a doctor, I mean, the guy's going to die. You know, he's going to struggle. He's scared of dying. He'll still go to the doctor. Naturally. If it's in the building industry, they wanted to add something to the house, we'll cut away on that. So there's certain things that's really impacted a lot. And if I look at my own life, and I must, be, I must define myself by what's going to happen financially, I will feel, God, what am I doing wrong? And the first thing I want to tell you, doesn't matter how much money you have or you don't have, that money cannot define you. And serving mammon is finding the voice of money's approval as the voice that gives you peace. So we cannot serve God and money. Serving God means, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, and this is a, uh, the, we know that the gospel is actually about how God serves us. The way we serve God is by allowing Him to serve us. We're not going to allow money to serve us with peace. We're not going to allow money to serve us with righteousness. We're not going to allow money to serve us with joy. What Christ has done serves us. Amen. And I'm not saying we're not going to have. Let's go on. It says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor of your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than meat, and body more than clothes? Look at the fowls of the air. Now here comes the normal system we live in. Look at the fowls of the air. For they neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? So here it comes, and I want you to say in this time, as we enter a time where the news will bombard you with the recession, with negative things and all that, what we've got in mind is, I am valuable to God. I am valuable to God. He looks at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap. Now imagine, we take sowing and reaping, physical sowing and reaping, taking farming, work, 
out of the equation. That would be like, they don't have a job, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? So I want to tell you that the biggest thing about the news and all those things is to be threatened with you're not going to have a job and to be tortured by fear of you will not have. Where you have a God that doesn't look at your qualification. You've got a God that doesn't look at what you do right or what you do wrong, but that has only one thing in mind and that is your value. Because He created you and from there provides for you. What will allow you to make use of His provision, and this is what the Bible says in, in, in um, um, Proverbs 4, He says, the issue or the force that drives your life comes from how you believe. What do you believe? Oh, you of little faith, Jesus said. You don't believe you're valuable to me. You don't believe that I can provide in a time like this. Like with me, when, when they say recession, I meditate, I've been meditating on, on my value for years now. How valuable I am to God. Uh, uh, on the person of God, how He is a provider, free from my works, free from my contribution, free from my sowing and reaping, free from if, I have, if my supporter is rich or not. That's not the, the basis. Even like, like what he said here, he says, the, the birds don't sow or reap. If I must put it in ministry terms is, um, well, look at the birds. They don't have big supporters. Yet God provides for them. In the very same way, in my life, in the very same way in your life. I want to tell you, you sit with a God that is obsessed with you. You sit with a God that cannot take His eyes off you. You sit with a God that feels the way He... Listen, God comes, He calls Himself Father. And from Father, He tries to explain to us in a way which cannot actually explain His love for us. He wants to explain how He provides and cares for us as a Father. Now, in our tradition, earthly tradition, a father is someone who makes sure that there's provision for his children, that there's a future for his children, that there's peace for his children, that there's protection for his children, and all those things, laying down his life for his wife and his children. Now, God comes and he calls himself a father, and we know today, I mean, we don't look at our children thinking, what does our kids do right, and if he does right, then I'll provide for him. No, no. When he's in the house, you provide for him on the basis of who you are as a father. Not taking into account the, the child's conduct. Imagine you've got a little baby. You say, no, no, no. He's wasting the nappies. He did it four times today. So I'm not giving him food anymore. He doesn't respect me. I'm not going to be good to him. I'm not cleaning him again. No, no. You don't do it that way. Because what he does is not considered. What is considered is the emotion and the love and the passion in your heart. And God uses a father-child relationship trying to explain. And yet that is too weak to explain. That's why, Paul, why he says, If your earthly fathers know how to do good, how much more your heavenly father? So I want to tell you, even in a father-son relationship, you cannot explain what God has done in Jesus. He loves us above measure. He loves us above our conduct. Our conduct does not possess more power than he, the passion that's in His heart for us. And this is what Jesus tries to say here. He says here, and, and what, I, what I also want to say is,
Even in a time like this, when I, when I think of, you know, and I'm just talking out of my heart, my experience, and in Scripture as well. When I think of visions reaching the world, you know, and I look at the news, you become scared. But I know in my heart that I'm guided by God working in me to will and to do. And my will is to expand. Meaning, that's what God is saying. And that's what I do. Like with you, what do you want to do? And that's how God works in us. Those of you that haven't listened to my message on how to hear the voice of God, then I want to advise you to do that. How do you hear the voice of God? Number one, stay in the grace of God. When you're in the grace of God, God will give you desires. Those desires, that's God's voice. Amen. So when you're in grace, what do you want to do? That is God's voice. Pursue it, do it. God's provision is behind it. Amen. If you're in the grace of God and you feel in your heart, just, man, I don't want to buy anything now. I'm not going to build onto my house. I don't feel that's a time now. Then you don't do it. You live with that guidance that God places in you and you'll find with that guidance comes a contentment. Amen. It's like a practical example. Um, the, the, the car that I have, the 4x4, many of my friends came to me and said to me, man, why don't you just sell this vehicle? Because it's old now. And the engine is making a noise. And you buy another vehicle. But I never felt to do it. I never had that feeling inside me that comes from, well, yes, this is it. Like when I bought my other car. I just felt, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I want to repair this vehicle. And... Um, to make a long story short, I repaired the vehicle. It cost me 11,000 rand to, to recondition the old engine and everything on that Pajero. I went with it to, the, to Zambi in the deepest bush. I drove through the, the deep water, bad roads. I mean, we did 380 kilometers. It took me 14 hours. Okay? The time you drive from here to Johannesburg is what it takes to do under 400. You know, and it shakes. It's, it's like, I, when I came back, I said, when I, when I arrived at the place, I said to the pastor, I said to him, I can't believe that this vehicle didn't break. A vehicle cannot handle this. It's, even if it's new, it, it cannot. And that was the passion in my heart. I said, without debt on that vehicle, the thing is, is paid for, and it's as reliable as a new one. So thank God, you know, that's what I felt in my heart. And that's what I do. If I tomorrow, under the grace, influence of God, feel to sell the thing, then I do it. So I want to say to you, when God comes when, in, in finances, allow Him to influence you by His love for you. Don't let the news be the influence upon you. Don't let, because the news will easily disqualify you, putting you under the law, telling you this industry, this area is going to be impacted. And you might be in that area. And you find this fear gripping your heart. Don't go and try to decide not to fear. It's not going to work. Don't say, well, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fear. No, no, no. Don't even say, well, I'm not going to fear because God. No, no. All you do is you just let the gospel take away your fear until you hear that message that they say over the news and you find that that message is dead. It does not produce any fear. It produces absolute peace in you. In, I mean, it, it cannot influence the peace that's in your heart. Right. Let's uh, go on there a bit. It says, and take no thought for your clothes. Oh, sorry. 
Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither they reap, neither gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? The provision of God supersedes the natural laws of this earth. That's what Jesus says here. And so many times in many teachings, it's sowing and reaping, all those kind of things. And I found that even on television, we find many people starting to support ministries in a time when, 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 they, when there's pressure because they're scared that there's not going to be financial provision. And it's used. Listen, the, the church is going, in, or the world's going to a recession. America's going into a recession. If you give to this ministry, then you can secure provision for the future. It's just a lie. That, that preacher does not believe that God can provide for him in that time. That's why he comes with such nonsense to, to make a little provision for himself using the ignorance and fear in people's hearts and will never preach this message so that people can be really set free and not controlled in a time like that. Amen. You've got a father that loves you and cares for you. You'll be guided by what he wills in your heart. Amen. Right, let's go to Philippians. Philippians 4. Just how does God provide for us? How does He care for us? Let's read uh, from verse uh, 15, 14. No. Verse 10. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but lacked opportunity. Now that's a very difficult way of saying, well, I am very happy that you gave to me. Not that you didn't want to give, but uh, you didn't have the opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. So he says, I'm glad that you gave to me, not because I was lacking stuff. Now listen to what Paul says here, and let this be something in you that, I tell you, when this thing grabs a hold of your heart because of grace, you'll be free forever from money. This is what he says here, listen to it. He says, not that I speak in respect of want. So he says, I don't say, thank God you gave to me because I was in need. He says, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So he was actually saying, I, 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 I was not in any want because the gift of being content took away my want. So your money was not what took away my want. Contentment took away my want. So your money didn't take away anything or add anything to me. Okay? Now you, we will read on, we'll see that he says that he was in need, but didn't have a want. So there was things that he physically needed. But the fact that he needed that could not dictate to him for, listen to what he says there, he says, for by Christ I can do all things. So Christ, the, the anointing, the enablement, the grace of God gave him an emotion in his heart where he was not dictated to by his situation. If it goes well with you financially, don't have peace because it goes well. If you get a good job, your joy and your peace is not because you got the job, because that is not the way God speaks. 
In the Old Testament, God spoke by the blessings, you know, through the law. That's what it says. In the Old, it says, if you, if you obey my commandments, then these things shall be. Then you're approved of me. We don't live under that in grace. Paul comes with a completely different mindset here that is not accepted in the typical uh, uh, charismatic prosperity teaching. And he says, God gives me the ability not to have a want when I've got nothing. And that makes me rich. And that is the power of His resurrection working in the heart of a human being. Giving you security in your emotion and your belief, doesn't matter what the situation is. Now remember what we said in in chapter 6, we're not saying that there will not be provision. What we're saying is, God provides for us, should there be provision we're happy, should there not be provision we're happy. Because our joy is in the contentment of who He is as who we are. Hallelujah. Amen. If, 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 if I must be very practical about this, let's, let's be very practical about this. If, um, when I went up to Zambia now, you drive up there, a lot of the time I was just going through Namibia, there was just nothing. You know, it's just a straight road. You get there, you don't see a lot of people. Then you get to the the northern parts of Namibia where those nice lodges and Katima Malilo and everything. Then you get these people with their big vehicles. Okay? They drive in there. They just go on holiday. And they've got a 1.3 million rand vehicle. That they just, they bought this thing just to drive around a little bit and go home. I've got a vehicle that's old. And I'm driving there but I'm preaching the gospel. That's already law. Just that thought pattern. If I preach the gospel, it means I must have a good thing. It's a law. Okay? That will judge, will judge you in your heart. But I can say, when you look at that, you can say, but Lord, why are you not providing for me a new vehicle? Because if I could have a new vehicle, I mean, what a blessing it wouldn't have been for your kingdom. Because people could see how you provide for me. Back under Deuteronomy 28 under the law. And that will kill you. Because it doesn't matter where you drive, you'll be condemned. Because there's always somebody richer than you. (laughs) Took some time. I really had to be in the flesh to see it. But anyway, (laughs) that's the way it is. You, 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 you will always find somebody richer than you. You will always find somebody condemning you. And then, the natural thing is, if you see somebody else that's richer, and this is how Christians do it. I remember when I was, you know, under the law, this is the way you think. If he gets that money, you think, no, the devil blessed him. <laughs> you know, where did he get this money? This money can't be from God. He stole it from the government. I mean, who want to live like that? That's not peace. Where he says, your God gives me contentment. Contentment doesn't mean you're willing to sit with a, with a thing you have for the rest of your life. Contentment is simply this, I enjoy what I have. That's all it is. I enjoy what I have. This jacket that I've got here, I know I'm not going to wear until I'm 80. I just know it. But while I've got it, I enjoy it. Amen. 
That's the way it is. I know I'm not going to have this forever, but while I have it, I enjoy it. That's what Paul talks about contentment. That takes the want out of the thing where you're driven to have more. And what happens is as we grow older, I mean, I'm almost making 40 now. A guy, a guy phoned me, and, and then I, you know, when I think of 40, then I feel I'm getting older now. I don't feel 17 anymore. But last night a guy phoned me that watched me on television, started shouting at me over the phone. I said to my, my booty! And I felt young again. <laughs> so he said, my son! And I felt young again. Oh, because he's very old. But as we grow older, we become scared. Okay? Because I think of, I'm 40 now, and how quick that went. And if I add another 40, you walk like this. You know? You're old. And now you think of what you've got until now, and how you'll provide for your future. And all those thoughts bring so much fear. I don't say there cannot be a provision for future, but that provision should come from that willingness in the heart which God works by grace. Maybe I want to take out this policy, or I want to do this, or invest here, or whatever. It comes from that natural peace. It's not a fear-driven thing. It's a natural guidance from God. Amen. In our hearts. And this is how God provides for us. Listen to what Paul says here. I don't have any needs. Why? Because I'm content. Um, let's read verse 12 again. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. So he says, I know how to be Abased, we also get the word abused or having nothing. And I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I'm instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So what Paul was saying here is, and I want you to have this peace. And um, so many times when we see somebody die, we've got this fear in our heart, you know, oh that should just never happen to me. I don't know how I'll ever handle that. But when you look at the, at the person that's in the situation, and you speak to them, I mean, I've spoken to many people, being a pastor, I've spoken to many people where loved ones passed away. The, all of them say to me, the people are more stressed than me. The people are more stressed and more hurt and more fearful than me. Because in that situation, God strengthens you. That it is easier for you like you see somebody move you know you think I don't want to move oh my goodness I don't want to move now that's too much work but when you must move you find the power in you to do it and the same way with money don't let the news bring fear because we've got the person of God which provides for us in money should the money not be there he'll provide for you in inner power that that situation will do nothing to you to the point that Paul said here that I was strengthened that even when I had nothing I couldn't see a need. Hallelujah. You're not going to find the prosperity God teach you that but that is what happened to Paul and this is the truth in the gospel. That's why it takes away all fear. Amen. But Barty, what if I lose everything? Let's take a thing. You lose everything. I look at one of my friends that has lost everything. You know, he, he had millions. He lost everything, walked with his feet where he wanted to be, and then while walking, I mean, this guy 
if he would buy a truck for his farm, he would phone, he, he would phone his secretary. He'd tell his secretary, listen, phone MAM and order an interlink. But which one, sir? The biggest one. Uh, but what about the cost? We're not asking how much it costs. They must just deliver it. That's how he would buy stuff. For years he did it that way. His secretary phones uh, uh, Toyota. They bring the Land Cruiser. That's the way he worked. Okay? And in that time, he was happy. Then he lost everything. Everything gone. Okay? He lost everything. Then he, then he went and lived, rented a house. He owned many houses. He rented a house. Lived in, renting a house, even now, living in George. And he walks with his feet where he want to be. Then he phones me sitting under the tree laughing about it. <laughs> laughing about it. Now he's got land again. Now he's got vehicles again. It's going much better financially with him. And... He phones me, he's laughing about his situation, enjoying it. Why? Because grace worked something in him. So the reason why I teach you this is to take the fear and the sting of death out of this whole news and surrounding, you know, what surrounds us in this world. Take it out of it. And you can know, even if I have nothing, God will strengthen me that I will not feel the nothing. Hallelujah. So a vrouw wat moet kram. And they gaan for epidural. It's no problem. Amen. Ladies must go into labor, but she goes for those, what do you mean in English? Epidural. I mean, it's not a problem. Because you know, when that pain comes, I'm going to have something that takes away the pain, then it's not a problem. But if you know it's not going to be there, you're going to stress. Because it's going to be painful. I want to tell you, this is what the Bible says here that, uh, w- with Paul. I know how to do all these things. Now let's go to verse uh, 14. Notwithstanding, you've done well that you communicated in my affliction. So he said, I had affliction, but I had no need. Isn't that awesome? I had affliction, but I couldn't perceive the need. This is, like Paul said, I was in jail, but they were singing songs unto God. For grace, the word grace is the divine influence upon the belief. Paul believed something that removed the fear of the situation. And I want to tell you that was not a very difficult thing to believe. He was just sitting in the simplicity of the gospel of grace. Second Corinthians, he clearly says, he says, I am very scared that somebody, uh, that you will be beguiled, like if was beguiled from the simplicity of the gospel. So the simplicity of the gospel, who he is is who I am. His innocence is my innocence. His righteousness is my righteousness. That is what gave Paul his power. Right. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving to me financially. Verse 16. Even in Thessalonica, uh, you sent once and again unto my necessity. You can go and see, see that in the original language. It means you gave, they gave twice. Uh, verse 17, not because I desire the gift, but I desire the fruit that abound to your account. So here he comes, he says, you know, look at the mindset of the, uh, th- that's born from the emotion in the heart of Paul when he was under grace when it comes to money. He was in affliction, he said here, 
in affliction, when the church in Philippi sent money to him, he was happy that they gave, not because of his affliction, because he had no need. Because of contentment. And he could be so pure in his belief that he says, I'm so thankful that you gave because that adds to the word about you. That's the original language. It adds to your account. Account there means, is the Greek word logos, or what is said about them. So the word about the church in Philippi, he was just thinking, I want people to hear good things about the church and what the gospel does for the name of Jesus' sake. And he says, when you gave, I was very thankful that you gave, not for the money, but for what is said about the church there. Meaning, if they gave that money to another preacher, he would have had the same joy. That's the effect of grace. Amen. Upon the heart of somebody. I always say it this way. If you think of a hard situation, don't reason it away. Rather say, should that happen? And then you deal with it in its worst form. Okay? And once you've dealt with it in its worst form by grace, then you cannot threaten somebody anymore. Okay? So, if I come to you and I say to you, listen, I'm going to take away your house if you don't do this and this. You can stress. But if you first deal with it and say, well, okay, you're going to take away my house, but I've got another house over there, then you cannot threaten me anymore. So if you say to me, listen, you're going to lose everything. Okay? I don't say we're going to lose everything. But so, let's say it's happened. Because that thing's all, what if? Let's deal with a what if. If you lose everything, what's going to happen to you is what happened to Paul. Even in that situation, given you're under the message, in that situation, God will work in you that you will not even see it. Or feel it. You will have a joy and an inner peace that goes above understanding. Okay, so now you've dealt with the worst. So now it takes the sting and the fear out of the thing. And we can continue in peace. Because once we get fear in our minds, we don't think straight when it comes to business. We don't think straight when it comes to... We, we, we emotionally in such a turmoil that we don't know how to apply for a job, how to speak to our clients, how to do our business. Because we're in emotional turmoil. Right, how does God provide? Verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So, the way God provides for us when we have a need, this is the way, okay? He will provide according to His riches. Not according to your giving, not according to your faithfulness, not according to your right confession every day, 